Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. We do want to welcome our online viewers and those that are listening on the podcast. Hope Covenant, would you put your hands together for our online viewers and those listening on the podcast? Say it every week. I'll say it again, that if you're ever in the Charlotte area, we would encourage you to stop on by. We'll make you feel right at home, won't we, Hope Covenant? Yeah. Well, Lord, we welcome you this morning, and we ask you that you would speak to us through your word, and we thank you, Lord, that your word, it doesn't return void. It's not empty, but it's full of power. It's full of life. And so, Lord, many of us uh, struggle to hear your voice, and yet we've got a book that's full of your voice. And so we ask you as we dig into that and as we study it about your return, Father, this morning, that you would literally not just fill us with head knowledge, but an anointing, Father, to live in the day and the hour that we're living in the very purpose of, of your church, Father, to spread the news of your return. And we are excited and encouraged about that this morning. And we open up our hearts and open up our ears. In the mighty name of Jesus, if you believe that, would you say, hear, hear. So the return of Jesus. Now, this is part one of a series. This is going to go for the next couple weeks. And I want you to really encounter the Lord during this series. I'm praying that you don't just hear me with a, a message full of notes. And I'm going to teach this. So it's going to be a little teachy. I want to encourage you that the louder you amen is the faster I'll go through this message this morning. So I want to encourage you ameners to like shout me down this morning. I love it. when we uh, with, Listen, we need to agree with the word of God. And sometimes we need to let our lips speak that out loud and go, Go, amen, that's good. So that it encourages us. It builds faith as we dig into his word. That's why we do that. And so it's, it's kind of like exercising. It's just good. It gets us going. It gets our heart thumping. And so I want to encourage you that I believe in the very purpose, and I don't even know if I'm going to get through all of this today. I'm going to do my best, but this is a many-part series. Uh, but the, when we were, we were hearing the Lord to start this church, I asked the Lord what the purpose of it was and what he wanted the vision to be. And uh, for those of you that are new here, Hope Covenant came from, we believe there's a generation that desperately needs the message of hope, and we know that Jesus is hope. And then covenant relationship with God primarily, and then each other, because in the book of Acts, Pentecost happened because of covenant relationship, not just with God, but the church doing life together, that the Spirit of God breathed over the church. But one of our, our pillar principles and, and, and really purposes, I believe, that God communicated to both Liz and I as we were joining hands in our one-bedroom apartment in the moment with no money, and that was a good time for us because the Lord really got our attention. And in how many of you know sometimes it's in the rock-bottom spots that God speaks the loudest? Yeah, because we're listening, not because he doesn't speak otherwise, but be, we're listening. He's got our attention. And he said, look, the whole reason why I want you to start this church is to equip this generation for the end times that we're living in. How many of you know this is a weird and funky day that we're living in? If you're used to like the 50s where it was Mayberry and the ice cream truck, it's where we have how far we've come, right? Uh, uh, gas for 10 cents. Yeah, we're not there anymore as we're like almost at $10 a gallon. Not really, but I'm just saying it's like crazy but you know a big question for many of us right now is like what in the world is going on 
Where is the understanding of what's going on right now? Because I think everybody here, if you believe this, you could say, yeah, that's me. How many of you have felt the fact that it just feels a little weird right now? <laughs> yeah. But the past two years have, have felt weird to say the least. And in actuality, what's going on in the world right now should encourage us and, and actually, instead of bringing anxiety, when you're a Christian, and I love this, A.W. Tozer says that a scared world needs a fearless church. So our job as believers in the Lord is not just to know his word, but now we have to, the rubber has met the road, the plane has landed, and we've got to demonstrate to the world that we do not have fear, but have confidence, and that the things that we're seeing in the world right now are actually encouraging us that now more than ever, we know scripture is truth. And I'm going to dig in during this series a lot. Uh, about what scripture says about some things that we're seeing right now that I think will blow your mind and even some statistics that I'll give you that'll blow your mind that scripture is so amazing that how many years ago this was that it actually prophesied things that we're seeing right now. I want to encourage you if you're scared to get excited because you're seeing things in this word that generations have been praying to see for years and years and years and years and guys were there. We're there. Right now, a lot of you are seeing what's happening in the world, and I want to encourage you that Scripture is kind of it's, it's, it's laying it out. It's, this is really setting up for what I believe is the return of Jesus. Ezekiel 38 predicted 3,000 years ago some of the very movement that we're seeing take place right now, things like uh, that are happening with Russia and the alliance of, of China and Russia. And I'm going to give you a lot of practicals that aren't necessarily things you would interpret from what you read in Scripture if you don't understand the meaning. And so I want to break that down for you. But the alliance of uh, Russia and China and, and how they're going to converge on the Middle East and, and, and things uh, with Syria that are staging themselves up. It's, the Bible calls it the Valley of Jehoshaphat, which means the Valley of Judgment, where the battle of Armageddon will take place. Again, I don't want to preach this where you're hearing doom and gloom, but where you're excited. Okay, this morning, I'm actually, if I had a title of this specific part one, it would be a love story. A love story. Because I, I got news for you. If you're in the kingdom of the Lord, this is really good news for you. This is exciting. But there are Russian ships right now that are off of the coast of Israel. Right now. And the Bible talks about that, that the an enemy that will be coming after Israel. And by the way, I want to make it very clear. In this church, if I had three flags that I could display, we don't have flags here, but maybe we will one day. Um, but if we were, I would have the American flag, the Christian flag, and the Israeli flag, because we as a church are going to forever ingrain in the vision of our church that we stand with Israel. Because how many of you know the Bible says when we do, we're blessed? And I want to be under the spout of his blessing, so I'm going to stand with Israel. Now, I want to say this. There's a generation that doesn't understand that. They don't get that. They'll call it racist, but how many of you know the Bible calls it? We're being loyal. His it's where he's coming back, and we're going to watch Israel carefully because that's how we watch the times that we're living in. And we will always stand with Israel, the people of the Lord. Amen? So all of this was predicted 3,000 years ago, the Bible describes the alliance between Russia and China. It calls the territory of Russia, Rosh, and it calls China the king of the east. So the Bible even mentions how Iran plays a part in all of this, and we'll dig into this in weeks to come. 
But this was all predicted 3,000 years ago, what we're seeing. And that should give you an overwhelming confidence in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And just so you know, in this church, we don't take little bits and pieces of the word that conveniently work out for us. We take it all because we believe it's all infallible. Okay? The word of God, infallible. It is without fault. This is the perfect word of God. And we trust this. This is our manual. So I want to mention to you again that here at, at Hope Covenant, I can't say it enough. We stand with Israel. Genesis 2 verses 2 to 3 still stands as a covenant between God and Abraham. And it involves both you and me. In Genesis 12 verses 2 to 3 out of the message, I'll make you a great nation and bless you. This is referring to Israel. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. Okay. Does that sound like we should be standing with Israel? I just gave you the legal reason why. I don't know about y'all, but I, I got enough people cussing me. I don't need any, I don't need that coming from God. Okay, 485 on the way here. I had enough of that going on. Don't need that coming from the Lord. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. I want to read that again. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. That's where the blessing comes from. So I want to say this morning that you should rightfully be concerned when you look at the condition of the world, but understand that when you're in Christ, you have no reason to fear. So one of our doctrinal pillars of this church is that Jesus is coming again. We all know that Jesus was once here on earth, that Jesus died and was resurrected, and that Jesus is coming back for his bride. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. That's me. So I want you to understand that this series and the topic of the end times is not a horror story, but it's a love story. Now, there are some horrific things, and we'll get there. (laughs) There are some things that are described in the Bible, but again, if you're in the Lord... You have no reason to be afraid. If our God is for us, what can stand against us? If our God is with us, what can stand against us? But if I had one thing that I wanted you to cling on to out of this message today, it would be these words of Jesus in John 14, verse 1 to 3. And man, if this doesn't fire you up with spiritual Red Bull, I don't know what will. John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Everybody read that with me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. So if you're a believer, I couldn't have better news for you. You're on the winning side. If you're an unbeliever, I couldn't have worse news for you. <laughs> you're on the losing side. But it's all good from here if, you're, if your confidence is in Jesus. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms, and I love this. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? How cool is it that Jesus right now is preparing my bedroom in heaven? I mean, there's like a chocolate on the pillow with my name on it and your name on it. I'm ready. How many of you? Listen, Liz and I and many of you in this room, we've actually cruised with some families in here. Um, I got punked. We'll talk about that another time, Kristen, that time you called me pretending like my credit card was canceled on the cruise ship. That was wonderful times. Um, We have this very special relationship. This was way before Hope Covenant Church. I was not her pastor. And to this day, it's by God's grace. Um, but, but there is a chocolate on my pillow. At heaven. I can't wait. Y'all, here's the thing. If you're in a position where you're going, I love things on earth. I'm not looking forward to heaven. You need to change your perspective to an eternal perspective. You do not have a kingdom mindset when you have that mindset. This is all temporary. Everything you see here is temporary. 
Man, would it change things that we're stressed out about right now if we understand how temporal the things are that we're looking at right in this moment? It would rock your mind. If you could just get a little bit of an eternal mindset, it would change everything. I believe that's going to happen. But my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you may also be where I am. And I love how Jesus worded that. Like, he's our savior. And yes, that's cool. But what I read there is like, I just want to hang out. I just want to be with you. I just love my people. I'm longing for my people. Now, God doesn't have needs. He has desires, but he desires to be with us. And I love that. Jesus wants to be, us to be able to hang out with him forever. Jesus, after he went to the cross and then was resurrected, spent 40 days in his glorified body. This was before he ascended into heaven, giving final instructions on our commission and our instruction manual until he returns. We studied a few weeks ago that the very last words of Jesus in Acts 1.8 are that we are to be his witnesses, that we're to get the word out that he's coming back for his bride. How many of you know this family of ours, this is not an exclusive group of people called Christians that are better than everybody else, but we're supposed to be growing this family. Yeah, we amen that, and then on Monday, totally forget about it many times. I want to encourage you that we need to become less and less distracted about spreading the message of Jesus and make it a higher and higher and higher priority. As you cling on to Jesus, as you get close to Jesus, you will gain his heart, and as you gain his heart, you will care about his people. Every person that has a heartbeat in their chest needs to know Jesus. So Acts 1 verses 9 to 11, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the skies as he was going. And when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. These men, by the way, were angels. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who is taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. In other words, hey, you're next. So now that he's given you these 40 days and equipped you, go and do. Everybody say, I need to go and do. I I want to say that every generation of Christians has thought that they were the ones that'll see the rapture. I I can recall for years watching rapture movies. Some of them were so cheesy (laughs) with the clothes folded. Like, you know, like I don't, I've always said, I don't get that. Like, did the clothes not go? Um, How does that work out? But the the 70s rapture movies were were amazing. But every generation really thought like, I'm going to be the one. But here are some facts about our current generation. We have seen more advancement of the kingdom of God in the past 50 years than we saw in the 1,972 years previous. By the way, these are all Barna statistics if you're wondering where I got these from. More people have gotten saved in the past 50 years than the previous 1,972 years. That's incredible. It's unmistakable that God is on the move. The gospel is growing uh, faster in population in all but 17 nations. And here's the thing that needs to alarm us. America is one of those 17. So we need to wake up. And do you know why I believe that is? Because the church isn't talking about the return of Jesus. No, we're preaching these sexy messages that are all inspirational and constantly making us feel good. I'm going to be the guy that I already know. I'm going to be that guy. (laughs) 
I already know this is a call on my life. That's going to provoke a generation. I've already received persecution and death threats, by the way, in the past year of this church because of things that I've said. We're going to preach truth and we're not going to move from truth because there's only freedom found in truth. I'm going to look at Jesus face to face and so are you one day about and you are going to account for every word out of your mouth and whether you did the work of Jesus in the Great Commission or not. So wake up America. You go, whose fault is this that we're one of the 17 nations? The church. Flat out, full on. The church. Why? Because I believe it comes from moments like what we just had. We've cut the presence out of our services. We do three sexy songs, you know, with the transitions, they're all perfect. But there's no encounter with God anymore. Because what happens when it gets messy, when we get in his presence and I get close to Jesus? It's like that magnification mirror, that stupid mirror that Liz has on, on the, that little thing. I go, oh my God, I got blackheads. And that's what happens when we get into his presence. It doesn't feel good. We're the feel good. Oh, it's got to feel good. You know, there's times where we're going to be in the presence of the Lord and he's going to show us things that do not feel good. Because he loves us. Why when I was a kid did I have to bend over and get a whooping? Because there were times that didn't feel good, but I needed the correction. And then there are moments where we're obedient in that and it feels awesome. By the way, that's the beauty of repentance. It's not a dirty word. We've made repentance a dirty word. We're going to flip that around, aren't we? The largest move of God is in Muslim nations right now. The largest moves of the Lord are in Muslim nations. By the way, in Hindu nations. Where there's opposition. So think about that. I wonder if what's going on right now is in a little bit of judgment and a little bit of opposition to bring us close to Jesus. So here are some statistics for you regarding the end times. The New Testament has over 300 references to the return of Christ or the end of time here on earth. Think about that, 300. 216 out of 260 chapters of the New Testament either talk about Christ's return or the end times. 23 of the 27 New Testament books have something to say about Christ's return or the end of time. So why are we ignoring this as the church? I mean, that's a pretty good chunk of the New Testament that we're skipping over. I talked about a couple weeks ago this mosaic, demonic thing that's going where we take a little bit of this religion and a little bit of that religion. And how many of you know a little leaven leavens the whole loaf? A little bit of sin will destroy you. That's how it all starts. It all starts when I'm scrolling on Instagram and I see something. It's a little, well, it's just soft porn. No, it's sin. Get yourself disciplined. Get yourself in the presence of the Lord. Get yourself under the sail. And it's hard to look at pornography when you've been in the presence of the Lord. I don't know. That was free, by the way. It had nothing to do with the end times. <laughs> the overwhelming emphasis the scripture places on the return of Jesus in the end times is why I'm doing this series. This is kind of like the commercial for it. I think we're all sensing the distractions and the violence, inflation, craziness, moral decay. But Jesus said in Matthew 24 that the love of most will grow cold. And that's why I'm doing this series, because I don't want that to happen to the church. 
Jesus is not coming back for an organization called the church. He's coming back for his bride. A church that has relationship with him. It breaks my heart. Liz and I have been serving on mega church staffs our entire life, and I'm not anti-mega church, so I don't want you to hear that. I'm not preaching against any other church. I don't want you to hear that this morning. But I've seen the organization of church become more and more ungodly and less and less relational and more and more of a structured religious entity where God is not even there. We wouldn't know him if he slapped us in the face. And I believe it grieves the spirit of God. And I believe that he's longing and he's saying, would my bride welcome me again? I feel the Lord right now. Would my bride welcome me? Because I'll break out in signs, wonders, and miracles. If I just have a red carpet that says, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We even sing that song, which is a a downright lie in many of our structures. Guys, I aim for an hour, hour, and 15 minutes. But if he comes, all pets are off. And if he comes and he's in the room, it'll be 6 o'clock at night and you won't even know the time passed by. Anybody ever raised in church remember those moments where the Spirit of God broke out, where his presence broke out? We looked up and got, oh my God, where did time go? Because how many of you know time's different in eternity? And when you join in the presence of the Lord with all those that have gone before us singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb, we're not going to be in a rush to be anywhere. We're going to go, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and I ain't going anywhere. And that's my goal, that the Lord would increase the hunger in you. That you would so crave his presence. Forget Hulu, forget Netflix. I just need more of God in this moment. Because I will tell you that the number one demonic tactic of, of the enemy right now is to distract his church. I believe it. So distracted. And it's all about stuff. The spirit of mammon is totally taken over. I did a message on that. You can go and look it up. It's on the podcast, what a spirit of mammon is. It's basically the God of our stuff. We love our stuff too much. We got to lay some things down. If a bride prepares for her wedding day to look the best for her groom, I remember when we got married, Liz was working out like crazy, going to the tanning bed. She had the mani-pedi going on and like, man, mm, praise God. Good times. That's exactly what we should be doing as the church right now. It's, so I, Ashlyn's back there going, oh, God, help him. <laughs> but we have to take the end time seriously. We need to be the bride that's preparing ourselves. Where we're getting our spiritual bodies in shape. Where we're getting our spirits in shape. Where we're getting ready for the return of the Lord. Many look at the end times through the lens of doom and gloom like, Am I going to have to take the mark of the beast? Which, by the way, no, you don't have to take the mark of the beast. Better not. Am I going to get my head chopped off for Jesus? What's this? I mean, that's the old end times movies. If you remember the, the uh, what is they called? The guillotine? Like, yeah, you know, it was like, I, listen, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I want you to fall in love with Jesus and that your desire would be out of love, not out of fear. When we say we want you to fear the Lord, we're talking about reverencing God, not scared of him. That's not his heart. So I want to comfort and encourage you today, and this is not a very long message, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 to 18, this is out of the NIV, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, 
who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So all those that have passed away before us, they'll rise first. And after that, we who are still alive are left will be caught up. Now, I want to I want to equip you with this. So caught up in is, is two words in English, but it's one word in Greek. It's called harpazo, which means to suddenly snatch. Okay. It's important that we study. This is where I told you I'm going to get a little teachy in the Greek word harpazo to suddenly snatch. So we will be suddenly snatched in the Latin. It's, it's, it's caught up. It's translated reptar, which is where we get the word rapture. So together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord, everybody say forever. forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Okay, so right there, the rapture is an encouragement. The return of the Lord is something we are to encourage each other with. And by the way, as the church, we're supposed to be praying this in. And we're going to get there more in, in, in future weeks to come. So we are supposed to be encouraged about the rapture as Christians. God's coming back for his bride, and he, deserve, he, he desires us, and this is a love story. The first two chapters of the Bible, if you read the Bible um, and, uh, in Genesis, you see that, that creation and man, they're hanging out with God in perfect harmony. And then sin enters, and it gets chaotic, and all the way in the middle of the Bible, so this is the first two chapters, then all the way through the middle, it's chaotic, unto the last two chapters, and it shows God and man in perfect harmony again. That's how your Bible works. So Revelation 21, verses 1 to 4, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So for those of you who think you like earth and you don't want to part with it, the new earth will be perfected and so much better than the world right now. Like no more tornadoes, no more pain, no more suffering. So like we need to look forward to perfect earth. Okay. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, by the way, that's us, the church coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So we are going to be ready. Amen. Say, I'm going to be ready. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Like, I just want to hang out with my people. Like I told you before, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. I love this part right here. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. No more crying. No more disappointment. There will be no more death and no more mourning. No more crying. No more pain for the old order of things will pass away. That's a good part for you to put your hands together and go, yes, let's go. So the big question, are we living in the last days? And this is really a silly question because we're living in the only days we have. But I want to ask you a question. If you knew you were living in the last days, would you live differently? Would you adjust the way you're living? I can answer the question because I asked it to myself before I came in here. So I'm not waving a finger at you, but waving a finger at me. And the answer is absolutely. If you've ever seen someone on their deathbed, it's a serious sober moment before they pass away. And not that we're fixed and postured for death. We're fixed and postured for life because we're going to go from this moment to the next moment when the Lord comes back. 
But I believe that we need to take this moment as seriously as someone who's on their deathbed. Because really what it means is they're shifting into eternity. And I hope it's a good one. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1 to 9. I'm giving you guys a ton of scripture. How many of you know it's the truth that sets us free? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1 to 9. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. How many of you are hearing from the government? It's just, it's fine, guys. It's, it's fine. Hey, listen, it's all right. We're seeing that right now. The proclamation of peace and safety. And we're going, excuse me, president, have you filled your car with gas lately? I mean, we've got a little, little, little thing going on right here. So we won't know the day or the week, but can I tell you something? When you see a woman who's nine months pregnant, you know the baby's about to come. Can I tell you something? We're nine months pregnant and Jesus is about to come. You go, I don't know the day or the hour of the week, but I can tell you this. Just like a pregnant woman, we don't know the day, the hour, or the week. But I could tell you, the belly's dropped, y'all. <laughs> He's coming. Just look at the belly and you know. Just look at the day and the hour that we're living in and you know. Yes. Is that a good analogy? Yes, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. So that's why we're doing this series. I don't want this to surprise you. I'm identifying it right now. The belly's dropped. Yes. The water is about to break. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. How many of you can say amen right there? So then let us be like others. Let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. This is a direct promise that you'll be okay. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, once again, encourage each other, encourage one another, just as in fact you were doing. Good. You're not only getting Paul's teaching here, but... Peter, who spent time with Jesus, and I imagine that they had hours of conversation before Jesus ascended about like, well, what's this going to look like? I, would, I can't imagine how many questions I would have for him in that moment. But Peter says, the end is near, so do these three things, and I'm wrapping up. Number one, we should get right with God. In church, the Bible says, confess our sins one to another and then to the Lord. In other words, you need to find somebody who you can be accountable to and say, hey, I got this junk going on. I've repented to the Lord and I just want to get, I just want to say I'm free. This is what I was dealing with. And guys, I want to encourage you as the church, we're going to have more and more people that deliver gross, nasty sin to us. And when they do, don't be shocked. Go, how many of you know Jesus died on the cross exactly for that? Like, don't judge that person, but love that person. Because number one, the end is near. We need to get right with God. First Peter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Revelations 9, 17. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding day of the Lamb has come. And his bride has prepared herself 
ready. Okay, what does that mean? It means the bride has been through a process of repentance. That's the tanning bed and the mani pad that I was talking about and the working out. Repentance. Spiritually. Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Again, remember those words that we talked about. It's like it's going to snatch you up. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Again, this is encouraging if you're in the Lord. It's really, really alarming if you're not. The second thing Peter says to do, we should rely on godly relationships. First Peter chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, above all, love each other deeply. Man, we've got, to work. We've got work to do as a church. Love each other deeply because love covers. Everybody say love covers. Love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So Liz and I are trying to buy a bigger house right now because we want to offer hospitality. We're sick of the like small town home where we can't do much of, of hosting. Guys, I want to encourage you. Invite each other over. Cook meals. Hang out. Go out to, If you don't like people in your house, go out to a restaurant. Go to Starbucks. Hang out. I, I taught uh, the worship team, uh, the poor man Starbucks, ask for a pop cup of whipped cream and sit there and eat. If you can't afford a coffee, just do what you need to do. I don't do that at all. I'm sorry, that's a lie. Let me repent. <laughs> whipped cream at Starbucks is amazing. Go do what you need to do, but spend time with each other. We need to constantly be encouraging each other. And then I want to encourage you with this. You go, is this a commercial for Hope Covenant Church? Absolutely. We need to bring people into the house of God. Because the presence is here. And guys, there's something that happens when we get together and there's multitudes in this room worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the presence starts flowing. We're in his house. We need to get them saved and bring them into the house of the Lord. Scripture says, don't forsake the assembling. What does that mean? Get them in the temple. Get them here to church. This is a good place to fellowship. And then the third thing, we should do everything we can to make a difference. And I'm going to wrap this up with a really cool story. But before I do that, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. I want to pause right there so you understand this. God's equipped you with different gifts than he's equipped me with. You look different than me, and that's all a design of the Lord. And the Lord has given you a sphere of influence and people that you do life with that I don't. So each of us have a different calling on our life, but it's all for the purpose of him and him alone. Amen? Amen. All for the purpose of his glory. So use those gifts as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and the honor and the power forever and ever. Isn't that amazing? Guys, I want to say this as the church. We've got to start examining our speech and our conversations. As the worship team, we were sitting around talking about the things of God. And I I got a little teary-eyed. Brendan looked at me like I was going crazy. 
but Brennan understands it because Brennan's got a heart that's tender to the Lord. And we started talking about the things of the Lord and we started feeling the Lord as we were talking. And even we were doing a Bible study talking about the purpose of worship and Levites. How many of you know we need worship teams that are living holy again? And so Brandon's doing this teaching on Thursday night, and it was like, man, I felt the presence of the Lord because the speech that was coming out of our mouth was focused on him. How many of you know when we get together, we need to be having conversations about Jesus? If it's all about your stuff, it's all about the new thing that you're buying, you're missing it. There's kingdom purpose which needs to come into our fellowship as we do life together. I'm encouraging you with this because it's amazing the faith that it'll build when you have those conversations. So Jesus said this in Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In other words, the message of the gospel needs to be reached. So what do we need to do as the church? We need to take this as my assignment that the quicker I preach this, is the quicker he's coming back because there's folks that need to know it. Everybody say, that's my responsibility. Revelations 3, verse 20, Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I love that. So Jesus talks about communing and doing life and chilling out and eating. I love how there's food like weaved into everything scriptural because I'm a foodie and I thank God that Jesus is too. It's scriptural. For those of that are hating, a hater's going to hate, I'm going to eat because Jesus did it. It's all about relationship for Jesus, and he desires relationship with you. I want to close with a story. This blows my mind. Some of you may have heard this, but you may have not. When Jesus was resurrected on that Easter Sunday, if you remember, Peter goes into the tomb, and John's Gospels, I love John's Gospels, it records a detail that the other Gospels don't record, and I'm wrapping up right here. Peter goes into the tomb and he sees, remember the grave clothes were all over the place? But there was one cloth that was folded neatly that was behind Jesus' head. In John 20, verse 7, and you would go, what does this have to do with anything in the end times? And why would you throw this message in your, in your why would you throw this verse in your message? What, what's up with that? Let me read this and I'll bring clarity to this. This is amazing. It, it blew my mind. And the napkin that was about his head, so this was the one behind his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Why does this detail matter? Jesus folded the linen that was behind his head. Check this out. In Hebrew culture, if you go out and eat and you need to go use the restroom or you're doing something and you'll be back, it's custom that you fold the napkin, which tells the server, I'll be back. Jesus folded the napkin that was behind his head. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Because he's coming back. It's amazing to me the symbolism. In everything that Jesus did, he folded the cloth that was behind his head. In Hebrew custom saying, I'll be back. And it blows my mind. Jesus is on his way here. I hear it. I feel it. I sent, does anybody sense it? If you don't go home and put on any news station, he's coming back. He's coming back. So, Father, right now, we pause. 
And Lord, as we launch this series and the seriousness of the day and the hour, we thank you for this love story that you're coming back for each of us. Lord, we thank you that we're your bride and you care about us, Father, that you desire to be with us. And here's what I want to do for anybody that's here that you don't know the Lord. I want to encourage you. The Bible is very clear that when you repent of your sin, you confess him as Lord, which means he's the boss, not you anymore. You invite him in that he'll rescue you and you, have, you can be with him. You can, you can join the family. It's not an exclusive family. It's an inclusive family. For those of you that are watching online, maybe you're listening on the podcast, this is available for you. We want you to reach out to us. You can email us, whatever it is. But all you have to do is say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I invite you in as Lord, and I thank you, Lord, that you're saving me by your grace. The work that you did at the cross, God, that you sent your only son, Jesus, just for me to wipe me clean. And then I want to speak to probably what's more applicable to the masses that are here in this room right now. And maybe some of you that are listening online, you're going, man, I, I just kept thinking about the things in my life that are not right. I started thinking about the day and the hour and I got serious about it. Maybe your flesh has just been on the rise and you've been fleshing out. Maybe your speech hasn't been right. You've been saying things. Maybe it's been gossip, whatever it might be. I'm not preaching this to be hard on anybody this morning. I'm preaching this because the Bible is really clear that when we repent and we say, I'm sorry, I'm going to change that. I'm changing my direction. That's what that means. And we repent immediately. He washes it. He wipes it clean and he forgets about it. Never happened. So here's what I want every person here to do. I want us to just right now where we are, if there's anything that you can think about in your life that's not right, that's keeping you from the readiness of his kingdom come, his will be done, I want you to just say, Father, that thing right there, I, right now, I repent for that. Just, this is just you and God. And I thank you, Lord, that you're purifying and you're readying your bride this morning. Jesus, we're so pumped to meet with you, to eat with you, to commune with you. I thank you, Lord, for forgiving each of us. This starts with me, Father. For anything that's not right in my life, I ask you to wash me in the name of Jesus. Some of you, it might be just that you've been very, very distracted and you just need to say, Lord, I repent for the distractions. Lord, I repent for constantly saying, I'm going to commit. I said, I'm going to press in. I'm going to press in. And then Monday hits. It's like, there's the work week. Father, we repent. Just say this with me. Say, Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Jesus, I ready myself. I thank you that I'm washed. I thank you that I'm clean. And I'm excited about your return, Jesus. Here am I. Use me. Do what you want. I'll spread your news, your character, in Jesus' name. If you believe that, would you shout amen? Amen. Guys, I really believe that over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to dig more into some of the details of the things that are happening right now. The biggest thing that the Lord spoke to me, I want everybody to look at me, is that he's alleviating, he's eliminating a spirit of fear that has been in the church in regards to the coming back of the Lord. We've got to get rid of the fear 
you got to wake up in the morning and go, he's coming back. That's, I'm so pumped about this. I promise you by the end of this series, you're going to be fired up about it. Can we just give God a shout of praise this morning? Yes. Not because it's the churchy thing to do, but because we're pumped. Father, I pray over every person's week. I pray for an ordination of divine appointments. Lord, let us carry your presence and carry your character and the message of the gospel into our workplace and our sphere of influence in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. Y'all can go eat. I'll see you next week. Love you guys. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.